Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who says, I'm a Christian, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Self-deceived, say right things, Lord, Lord. Just realized I didn't give you my points, but that's the first one. The self-deceived. Say the right things. You know, one of our key values here at Westwood Baptist Church is to raise the standard of biblical literacy. We want people to know what the Bible says. We want you to dig in it and study it and know how to study it and know how to teach it. But all that knowledge will not convince Jesus to let you into the kingdom of God. Having understanding of the Trinity or the hyperstatic union will not cause Jesus to say, Oh, you, you understand that? Come on in. Can you imagine? Some of you are going, Hypostatic union, what's that? We'll talk about it. Won't get you in. Going through all the classes that we give on systematic theology, evangelism, Old Testament survey, New Testament survey. Well, look, Jesus, I went through all these classes. That's good. What'd you do with the knowledge? You didn't let me change you, you didn't become intimately acquainted with me. Your chief end was not to know me nor to glorify me. The self-deceived say the right things. Self-deceived also do the right things. Look what it says. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name? Three things are mentioned that the professor in Christ has done. Prophesied or spoken boldly concerning Christ. Cast out demons in the name of Christ. Mighty works all in the name of Jesus. The claim of the self-deceived is that they have done things that he did and that his disciples did. Yet none of them were done knowing intimately Jesus Christ. False teachers and false professors, both of Jesus Christ, can take on a persona of light that fools others but will never fool the living God. Again, we have going on here obedience. The implication is that you did that for you, not me. You did that for your glory and your fame and your name, not mine. Martin Luther, y'all have heard of him, nailed some questions onto the Catholic Church door, got in some trouble for it. They wanted to kill him. 
before that happened in 1517, Martin Luther was afraid to go to sleep most nights. Afraid that he would wake up in hell. He was so concerned for his soul that he left his training in a secular occupation and entered into an, uh, uh, the monastery of the Augustinian hermits in Euphort, Germany. I may not be saying that right, but I don't speak German. He was ordained, earned a doctor of theology, and lectured on Psalms, Romans, Galatians, Hebrews, and Titus. And if anyone at that time in his life would have asked Martin Luther uh, if, if he believed in the d- divine nature of Jesus Christ, he would have said, yes, I've always believed that. If they would have asked him, do you believe Jesus died on the cross for your sin? Martin Luther would have said, absolutely. Of course I believe that. Yet at this point in Luther's life, he did not know Jesus personally. He would tell you the fearfulness in him that he would never be able to go to heaven because of his lack of holiness. He did not know Jesus Christ. And he had all this knowledge, and he had all this wisdom, and he had the capacity of teaching all of us all of these books. Jesus to him was God, but not his God. Jesus to him was Lord, but he wasn't his Lord. Jesus to him was Savior, but he wasn't his Savior. Self-deceived, do right things. Things that look good to us. But to the living God, they're a sham. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. It's about obedience, but it's also about motive. And desire. What's the motive and desire of your heart? Is it to please Jesus or to please yourself? Is it to please others or to please the living God? Is it your glory or the glory of God? The glory of Christ Jesus. On that day, many will will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do mighty works in your name, and then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. All the things you thought you were doing good was lawlessness. It was sin. Why? I think it's because things 
Next week we'll talk a little more about this and the illustration that he gives and the parable that he gives. And you all wouldn't have time to get into that today, so I want to give you three things, three reasons that I believe self-deceive, self-deceive, avoid ultimate things. They do things they can do, but they don't rely on things that only Christ can do. They don't rely on things that only God can do. First ultimate thing is genuine faith. The second, holiness. The third, endurance. First of all, genuine faith. The self-deceived avoid ultimate things. They point it to their works. They point it to their knowledge. But they didn't point to a reliance only on him for their salvation. Genuine faith always begins with God. Y'all realize that, right? It never begins with you. Genuine faith begins with a living God. We're not going to get to heaven and they ask, why should I let you in? And you're going to say, because I. And when you do that, you're done, okay? Whoops. You're done, all right, when you do that. Your answer is null and void because you're not there because of you. You're there because of Jesus, all right? And him alone, that's it. But genuine faith always begins with the living God and the love of God. The love of God that brings Jesus into this world and into your life. God loves, and He loves you. Many people say, God loves us, so what He does is we're swimming in the sea of sin, and He throws us a life preserver. I like how R.C. Sproul responds to that. God just doesn't throw a life preserver to a drowning person. He goes to the bottom of the sea and pulls a corpse from the bottom of the sea, takes him up on the bank, breathes into him the breath of life, and makes him alive. That's better. That's an actual description of what we're like in our very nature. For you are dead in your trespasses and sins, Paul's writes. Dead. Dead man can't reach out for a life preserver. I mean, you might be able to hoop him around the neck or something, but that's about it. I mean, you, you can't do it, but this says that God loved us and made us alive together with Christ. Isn't that great? He made us alive. Only he can awaken the deadness of your spirit to see what you must see in order to come to genuine faith. Because we're not looking for it. What must we see? First of all, we've got to see that we're sinful, rotten, dirty sinners. 
I mean, you and I, in our nature, are a stench to God. I butchered chickens Friday. Me and Gina and Ricky and Laura. And we, we took all that byproduct, you know, and we buried some of it. And we had a can for the feathers. And, we were, and some of the byproduct, other than feathers, got into the can. I put a lid on the can, had a bag in it, and I was going to put some more trash in that thing. Bad things happen to stuff in metal cans with lids on them. And I had a full trash bag, and I lifted that thing off. And I mean, before I got that bag over, it hit me. And I thought, man, it's all coming up. Whatever I ate today, that's it, you know. And, whoa, boy, it was bad. And I threw that lid back down and stepped away. Our sin is a stench like that before God. It is repulsive. When you realize who you are before the living God, you are His enemy. And your sin smells before Him. <laughs> That's us. Sorry, no butterflies and rainbows today, okay? That's what our sin is like. Genuine faith requires for us to see ourselves as we are before the living God. And we are sinners, rotten to the core. And He makes known to us in the gospel of Jesus Christ the sinfulness that we have. And the result of that sinfulness is separation, is condemnation. Is judgment for all eternity. You must see that for there to be genuine faith. You must see that Jesus is the Savior. God makes us alive so that we can see things that we must see. We've got to see that we're sinful, and we've got to see that the only recourse is faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And in believing Him and trusting Him, I mean, Jesus, He did nothing wrong. You ever met anybody who does nothing wrong? I mean, y'all say stuff like that. Uh, they, they never do anything wrong. They're always so good and so, they are rotten, okay? They smell like that chicken feather can, all right? Every one of them that you think they do everything right, you know, they're just perfect. No, they smell like the chicken guts. God says, I want to redeem that. I want to redeem them. I want to cleanse that. I want to cleanse him. I want to cleanse her. I want to cleanse them. 
I want to rescue them out of that pit, and I want to give them life. And we have Jesus. Even though you're an enemy, he loves you, and you know that to be true because he gave us his son. His son, Jesus, as a substitute for you. He who knew no sin, he who was not a stench before God, became a stench before God for you. He bore your sin and your shame and your guilt there on the cross, nailed to a cross. By his stripes we are healed. Nailed to a cross was your sin and your shame and your guilt. And all the wrath that you deserved poured out on him. He bore it so that you might be saved. We see this. And we see this Jesus dead. He was buried. He rose again. He loosed the pangs of death, having defeated sin for you on the cross. And all of our hope and all of our life is transferred from what you can make of it to allegiance to Jesus Christ. Faith in him. All of my life belongs to him. I forsake everything to know him. called us to genuine faith. Have you hoped in him? Is he the one who takes away your sin or are you still trying to earn it? Are you still trying to convince yourself that you're good? Self-deceived, avoid ultimate things like genuine faith and holiness. Passage I read from Second Peter earlier is a passage that is a pursuit of that holiness. Add to your faith this, virtue, knowledge. It's a constant pursuit of holiness, of becoming like him, of being set apart from the world around us, of being set apart as a child of the living God. Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, anybody want to go after Jesus? Yes, that's the answer. Of course you do. Deny yourself. Take up your cross every single day and follow him. Deny yourself and exalt him. Take up your cross. Kill sin every single day. Follow him and no other. Not the world, not the worldliness around us, but him alone. Self-deceived, avoid ultimate things like genuine faith and holiness and endurance. Writer of Hebrews said, you have need for endurance. Why is that? 
We have need for the confidence that we have in Christ Jesus, in the living God who has saved us. We have need to endure in that confidence, in knowing that we are His and that He is ours. We actually sang that this morning. We need endurance because the world is constantly hip-checking us, always shoving us. We're on that yellow line down the middle of the road and all the rest of the uh, ungodly world is coming away. The, those who are on the wide road, they're punching us in the face and everything else, trying to push us off the line. You have need for endurance. You got to put up with this stuff. You got to live amongst those who are unrepentant and unforgiven. They bring their immorality into your face. Push it aside and you move forward in Jesus Christ. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Nobody, not everybody who says they're a Christian will enter the kingdom of heaven. What about you? I look out here and I know a bunch of people who say I'm a Christian. What about you? Why are you trying to cause doubt in anyone? I'm not. I'm trying to cause confidence in people. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that people will pursue and examine whether they are in the faith. I don't want to give you a false assurance. You can get that on TV. Joel Osteen tell you that every day. Go on, watch TBN. They'll tell you how great you are. I want you to know something. I want you to think about it. I want you to consider whether you are in the faith. I want you to think about those things. And where is your confidence? Oh, Lord, let it not be in you. But let it be in Christ. Let it be in the God who loves you. Let it be in the God who redeemed you who breathed life into you. Let it be in the one who promised and who keeps his promise. Let it be in him. And when it's in him, your heart and your mind and your desire would want nothing more than to obey his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenges, Lord, that come from your word. God, when we read that, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Some will, but not all will. And it ought to be a check on us, Lord, to think and to consider our own place in the kingdom of God. Not by our capacity, but by that of Jesus. So, Lord, help us find our confidence and our assurance in him and in him alone. We love you. In Jesus' name.